this one company established of a need. And then as we spoke to other businesses in the community, it became abundantly clear that this was a deficiency. Access to fiber in our community was limited. Welcome to episode 199 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Valparaiso, Indiana, northeast of Chicago, has recently announced the Valpo Dark Fiber Project. The city is deploying a dark fiber network to serve existing local businesses and spur economic development. In this episode, Chris connects with Patrick Lipp, General Counsel and Economic Development Director for the city. The two cover how the community decided to invest in this dark fiber project, their funding mechanism, and expectations for the network. The Community Broadband Bits podcast brings you information from communities like Valparaiso every week, commercial-free. Your contribution will help us continue to share stories from these communities. Contribute today at ILSR.org or MuniNetworks.org. Click the Donate button, and thanks for doing your part. Now here's Chris with Patrick Lipp, General Counsel and Economic Development Director for Valparaiso, Indiana. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Patrick Lipp, the General Counsel and Economic Development Director for the City of Valparaiso in Indiana. Welcome to the show. Chris, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more about uh, your community. Um, I think people have heard of Valparaiso, the university, uh, but tell us about the community that surrounds it. By the numbers, uh, we have about 32,000 uh, residents within the uh, corporate uh, boundaries of the community, and another about five or 10,000 uh, residents that live right on our periphery. So we're about somewhere close to 50,000 uh, residents uh, in total. Uh, location, we're about an hour uh, southeast out of Chicago. If you're looking on a map, essentially we're at the tip of Lake Michigan, maybe about 10 or 15 miles south of that tip on uh, Lake Michigan. Um, we're, we're the home of Valparaiso University. Um, it's always great to see uh, the local university participate in athletics and things of that nature and to see our community's name um, emblazoned right on their uh, uniforms or on, on the TV screen. Um, this year, we were fortunate uh, to receive the uh, E-City Google designation uh, for 2015. Essentially, that uh, indicates that the businesses in our community um, have a very strong online presence, as well as a volume of the e-commerce that they engage in. Um, we're also a semifinalist in the Frontier Communications, uh, America's Best Communities. Um, the finalists will be announced uh, this month in Durham, North Carolina. We're hoping to reach that finalist around. And um, if we're successful in the entire um, uh, the entire uh, program, we may receive up to $3 million uh, for a community project. So we're excited about that. We think we have one of the nicest um, uh, downtowns um, in all of the uh, Midwest of our community of our size. Um, about 13 years ago, um, our current mayor really focused on our downtown. Our downtown is perceived to be and is the heart of a, uh, uh, of a community. Um, and if uh, the heart's beating well, the rest of the community is usually doing, doing well as well. And our downtown is doing very, very well. Well, that's great. One of the things that the Institute for Local Self-Reliance has been working on for longer than uh, broadband internet access is uh, the health of local businesses in downtown. So I'm excited to hear that. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about some of the issues around broadband internet, but it sounds like your community probably has a pretty good familiarity with why that's important, judging from the uh, being a finalist and a winner of some of those contests you mentioned. 
And that's correct. And and to speaking, speaking generally about uh, the um, uh, you know communications and fiber and, and the importance of of connectivity, um, it really that's what drew the city's interest uh, into this fiber project, which I know we'll talk a little bit more about um, um, in, in this uh, discussion here. Uh, but um, you know, looking from the community's perspective and knowing the other utilities uh, that we provide and provide very well in terms of sewer and water and roads and police and fire protection, things of that nature, um, uh, but almost was a natural fit uh, when we saw a need in our business as well as our residential community uh, for fiber uh, that we investigate and get to the point where we are now in our fiber uh, project. And as we head into this discussion, let's just briefly uh, talk about dark fiber because that plays an important role in your planning. And I think some people are confused. Um, When you say dark fiber, what does that mean? I'll tell you, initially, I was probably in a group of confused people uh, when I first uh, was um, exposed to dark fiber, and we would tell the jokes that it was a name of a breakfast cereal, uh, a healthy breakfast cereal, if you will. But um, but as I understand the term, the term how we use it is that it's unlit fiber or fiber that is not currently um, uh, being used. Um, as I mentioned before, it essentially is no different than other physical types of utilities uh, with, uh, within the community. Um, again, sewer lines, um, uh, utility poles, uh, water lines, uh, roads, uh, thing, things of that nature. Um, and, um, and so again, back to the question as to what dark fiber is, uh, it is um, fiber that is available to be used uh, by, in our case, a, a business citizen in our community uh, for, for connectivity and, and connection to the internet. Let me get a better sense of what it means for the community. Rather, what is your plan for how the community can um, use dark fiber to improve access for businesses? Yeah, I guess to answer the question, maybe back up a little bit to how we got uh, to where we are right now. And I guess I mentioned in my earlier joke about uh, dark fiber. Uh, when when this, I guess, notion of the need of fiber in our community uh, was first uh, discussed was back in 2014. And we had a local business, uh, a high-technology-based uh, 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 business, um, 110 jobs, and for a community of our size, that that's a, that's a large employer um, in terms of the technology field. Um, approached the city um, and essentially said that we've outgrown our current space um, and we need to expand, which is obviously any community wants to hear. The the challenge, though, was that for them, the issue wasn't land. um, It wasn't um, uh, utilities or roads in the the traditional sense. Um, Their business was predicated on fiber connectivity. Uh, They're a company that handles uh, business and bank uh, transactions uh, for banks and other financial institutions. And so really my job and the job of others was to identify a location in our community uh, that would meet those specific needs. Um, And as we found, that was much more difficult uh, than we initially thought. And um, during that process, it occurred to me and others is that if this company was uh, uh, was uh, seeing this difficulty uh, for their fiber needs, were they simply an outlier? Uh, were they just had needs that no other company could um, uh, could address? Or whether or whether this was more indicative of other businesses that um, uh, were having their growth stunted or not seeing uh, you know the, the the best in terms of what they could do in our community uh, because of a lack of um, a fiber um, availability. 
I think that's really worth emphasizing that you were dealing with local businesses that had succeeded and wanted to continue to expand because there was recently a report that had come out that was criticizing local governments getting involved in this in these matters. And one of its arguments was that it's just a means of trying to pull businesses out of other communities. And so it didn't really represent uh, growth in the economy. But your story is similar to that I've heard from many others, which is that your first priority was not to bring in businesses from maybe, you know, other communities, but rather to serve your existing businesses. And that's absolutely correct. But the notion of, of dark fiber or just fiber in general, um, you know, was not on my radar in 2014. It wasn't until this one company uh, established of uh, Indeed, and then as we spoke to other businesses in the community, um, it became abundantly clear uh, that this was a deficiency uh, for, for Valparaiso. Um, access to fiber in our community was limited. Now, a company could, you know, if, if they had enough resources, um, uh, could have a local provider uh, provide fiber um, out to their uh, particular location. Um, the costs were expensive. And a story I often tell, and it's, it's factually accurate, is that uh, local business in an industrial park here in Valparaiso uh, decided that they needed to get uh, fiber connectivity. Go to one of the local providers. Uh, they say sure. About an eighty thousand dollar cost for the build out out to their um, out to their plant. Um, as the smart business owner, he went to other businesses in, in the industrial park and said, "You know, we, I've got this quote. Why don't we share or in some way um, uh, divide the cost, and we both could benefit?" Um, and unfortunately, no other business in, a, in the uh, industrial park uh, would agree. He bit the bolt um, and paid the capital cost to have fiber out to his business. And, and sure enough, uh, within uh, six months after his, the project was done, uh, that provider was talking to other businesses in the industrial park. They were then um, uh, hooking up to the fiber out there. But unfortunately, the, the first uh, adopter, if you will, the first um, uh, uh, customer uh, was paying the total capital cost there. And um, in my world, that, that's rather um, um, inefficient um, and, and not appropriate. And, and unlike in other utilities where there's some way to recapture cost, um, like in Indiana, if you are the, um, uh, the, the person who incurs a cost for sewer or water expansion, uh, there are some instances where you can recapture if other users eventually uh, tap into what you've paid for. As far as I know, in the, in the world of fiber, uh, that isn't um, isn't honored. And so, again, it's very inefficient. And we saw that as a one example of where, if the community chose uh, to invest in this, um, um, uh, incidences like that uh, would be would be non-existent. Right. I think that's uh, it's admirable for that company to have effectively, you know, paid that cost. Um, benefit all those other businesses. But uh, in our experience, uh, usually even the one company will not pay that and then the fiber just will not be expanded. So, um, But I think that's a really good illustration of what happens when the city doesn't have a proactive approach, um, which is something that you're now rectifying. What are, you, what are you planning on doing to sort of help businesses make sure that they won't have to be the, the next ones that have to pay a prohibitive cost? Well, in terms of the design of our system, as I mentioned, in terms of our location, um, uh, we're, we're very fortunate in many ways. But one of the ways is that uh, being so close uh, to Chicago um, and also to South Bend, Indiana, um, is that those are two larger hubs of, of bandwidth. And the term that people often use is the last mile. Um, if you have a, um, you know, a fiber connectivity within your, within your community, 
if you can get that last mile or last couple of miles to those larger transcontinental lines that usually run along um, um, interstate highways or along rail lines, um, and you can connect onto those, uh, that's where then your community um, and your businesses in terms of uh, accessing uh, more appropriately uh, cost um, uh, bandwidth um, uh, becomes more realistic. And so um, from our from our design, uh, we've essentially done uh, two loops uh, around various parts of our community um, and then essentially a straight shoot up towards Lake Michigan uh, where those um, uh, where those east-west lines are, and then there'll be a connection point there. And then at that point, um, local businesses, and again, as part of our due diligence and our many stakeholder meetings uh, with those businesses, uh, some hospitals, um, uh, the university, um, and other businesses uh, that have an interest um, um, have said, you know, if you can if you can get that last mile, if you will, of uh, fiber in and provide us with the dark fiber, to a certain degree, we can take it from there. We have the technology, we have the IT departments to light that fiber to negotiate our, our own bandwidths. And from some numbers that we have seen in terms of what current providers cost are for a bandwidth and what um, the uh, the cost will be to um, our local businesses once they have that access uh, to uh, other providers of bandwidth, um, uh, the cost savings um, are, are are very beneficial to the businesses here, and hopefully in the future other businesses uh, that uh, choose to locate or expand in Valparaiso uh, will see that um, uh, that benefit as well. And did you consider other approaches? Uh, what made the dark fiber um, approach that you ended up settling on the most attractive for your community? Yeah, in terms of the dark fiber approach, and I know because we when we when we did our research, uh, there were uh, communities that have gone beyond just simply the capital infrastructure of the fiber, uh, but have also, in essence, become a service provider or have, in essence, formed their own business or have partnered with a um, either a chamber of commerce or some other entity, um, and then um, you know not only become a um, uh, the, the capital um, owner of the fiber uh, and leasing it, but then they also uh, sell the uh, the bandwidth. And um, th- that model, although you know, presumably not a bad model for other uh, communities or other regions, um, was not an area that we were looking to get into. Um, one of the things that we were attempting not to do is directly compete against the current providers in our community. Um, you know, in large part, this was to supplement and in areas provide service where the private sector um, had not um, chosen because of cost or other reasons had chosen not to um, um, uh, had not to invest. Um, in some ways, it's no different than a community putting in a road in a business park that at that point doesn't have any um, uh, development, uh, but at some point the expectation development will come there. Um, if you're a current provider, you know your your investment structure might not say let's extend you know, five or 10 miles of fiber into an area where we might see some return down the road. If you're, if you're a city council, if you are a mayor, if you're a redevelopment commission, looking more forward than simply uh, your next um, uh, quarterly uh, business report, um, those, those are decisions you can make. And so um, our choice at this point was not to get into the bandwidth sale component, uh, but was to put the uh, infrastructure in, put the fiber in, um, and initially work with those businesses uh, that could um, uh, take that dark fiber and light it for their own benefit. So let's talk about how you're financing this. Um, what's the plan for how you're going to pay for the costs of doing it? 
Valparaiso is, is very fortunate in the sense that um, we had the foresight uh, in the early 1990s to establish a, um, a redevelopment commission um, and, and do what, what is commonly known as TIF, which stands for a tax increment financing or tax increment funds. Um, you know, each state has their own uh, what I call you know toolbox of um, of tools for economic development and incentives and ways in which they can help spur um, growth within their community. To a certain degree, um, Indiana communities are limited in what we can do. Uh, one is tax abatement uh, that we can provide to a, a business, and the other is the use of um, of, of tax increment uh, funds uh, for um, uh, for uh, for investment uh, in um, um, in infrastructure or investment in uh, in public improvements. Um, and so, um, because of the good stewardship of our redevelopment commission, we have funds available uh, for this project. And um, again, given the need and the importance of uh, fiber, um, uh, the redevelopment commission has chosen to invest about two and a half to three million dollars in the initial build out. Um, of the um, of the, of the fiber loop, um, and then depending upon the um, the needs for legs and laterals and other um, um, and other ways to, uh, to get the fiber directly to the um, end user, um, we're discussing ways uh, to make that uh, cost effective uh, uh, for for the residents in, in the Greater Valparaiso area. I'm curious because I know that that TIF is something that's happened in other places in Indiana. You know, were you modeling your program on some of the the other projects, or is this something that uh, you more or less developed independently? You know, how did you come up with this uh, approach? Yeah, I think to a certain degree, um, it's independent. Um, I mentioned before South Bend, and uh, I think South Bend was one of the, I would say, pioneers in terms of a. Um, uh, of a fiber uh, project, something along the lines of what we're doing. Um, um, the sort of the, the nice thing about the uh, the South Bend project is that it was initially all self-financed, and so you had, uh, as I understand it, some hospitals, uh, Notre Dame University, um, and some other uh, large uh, users um, in the South Bend early area. In the early uh, 2000s, uh, each ponied up some money, um, and then their Metronet uh, was was born from that. Um, we didn't have enough of those types of businesses in our community that could write those types of checks up front. And so it was um, it was uh, the need of the Redevelopment Commission to have those funds. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, being good stewards uh, with that money, um, we had funds available that was, were in essence unencumbered. Um, oftentimes a redevelopment commissions, and which is not a bad thing, but redevelopment commissions and working on a project, when they receive their tax increment, when they receive the, that tax revenue for a particular project, it often goes back into paying debt service or paying for the bonds that paid for the road or the other infrastructure improvements in an area there. Um, because again, uh, the good stewardship of, of our redevelopment commission, our mayor, our city council, um, we have essentially unencumbered uh, TIF revenue that allowed us then uh, to um, uh, to um, uh, do this project um, um, where I think other communities might not have uh, had the resources. Other thing that I've noticed is in other communities, their fiber projects was kind of an organic outgrowth from a, a much smaller project. And so, for example, um, you might have the police department and the fire department and city hall connected. And then you might have a business say, listen, you got, you know, you got your fiber out there. Do you mind if we hook on? And it kind of organically would grow uh, from that. Um, 
we didn't have that base. And so to a large degree, we're starting literally from square one um, in building uh, this um, in building this fiber project out. And so um, unlike other communities where it just grew organically or just grew with um, uh, direction and plan, um, um, you know, this this was really on a you know a design as to where our current and future needs are, uh, where are the customers that have said that if the fibers there will connect on, and really basing the development on current usage and then our anticipated usage of other businesses in the future. I'm curious how how are businesses and and other folks reacting in the community to this uh, project to expand fiber access. I'll tell you, it has been an overwhelming um, a positive um, response. Um, and I think in part it was due to the, I guess, the thoughtful diligence uh, of those involved in the project. Um, this was not a spur of the moment. This was not a reaction to some other community doing it and saying, well, if they're doing it, we need to do it. And so we need to rush and, and hire consultants and hire fiber um, uh, contractors. Um, as I mentioned, it began in 2014. We reached out to the businesses in our community um, to see if there was, in fact, a need for this. Uh, that 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 need was uh, was confirmed, um, and really partnering with our local chamber of commerce um, and partnering with a couple other economic development groups um, in our community. Uh, you know, the, the community was was kept apprised of what was going on. The culmination, if you will, was probably um, in early April uh, this year. Um, in March, the Redevelopment Commission approved the award of our fiber construction contract. And so as we speak right now, the, um, uh, the crews are out uh, around our community beginning the, um, uh, beginning the actual install. But, but a couple of weeks ago, we had our first um, uh, community meeting where people could come and literally ask questions and sign up, if you will. And we initially had a room in our chamber building here that held about 70 people. Um, and it was quickly apparent that that would not be enough. We moved it to a larger venue, and we had about 120-plus people come. And presumably there were some just there kicking the tires and, and curious as to what was going on. Uh, but there, were a, there was a lot of business interest. There were many um, Internet service providers uh, that were there to see how they could um, uh, partner and be involved in this process there. And um, um, it really, I think, as our mayor often says, a good process leads to a good result. Um, and this process was thoughtful. It was inclusive. Um, and we really have the community's uh, backing of this. And, and we think once the, the backbone is put in, if you will, those, those two circular loops and, and businesses uh, that we first identified are, um, um, are hooked on there, um, it's going to be really neat to see how this this um, this fiber loop and the fiber uh, project uh, develops because presumably there are things that we're not thinking of and I think in a good sort of way that people much smarter than myself and others will say, well, how about this? What if you do it this way? Um, and, um, and it's going to be neat to see how this um, uh, this, um, this 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 capital project for our community grows um, uh, positively. And as a final question, I'm curious what you are hoping to see over the next five years. You know, how will you know if you're successful with this investment? Well, I, I think on the on the I guess success can be defined in many different ways. Um, on the more pragmatic approach, um, you know, our redevelopment commission uh, has tasked myself and others to ensure that their their capital investment, about two and a half to three million dollars. Um, Will in essence uh, be uh, be recaptured over a ten a ten year period, and so we'll be monitoring in terms of the um, the revenue that the um, that the redevelopment commission collects, leasing and other um, and other costs as as offset by our expenses to see where um, to see where we are, and based upon how we project this, uh, we think we'll 
do okay. In terms of looking at uh, the success of this project uh, more holistically, um, seeing businesses uh, able uh, to uh, secure um, connectivity to the internet um, um, at a more cost-effective rate. Um, the other uh, aspect that I have not talked about before, but I think an important other reference um, is the importance of redundant services. Uh, another aspect that we heard uh, loud and clear from the business in our community is that where at one point having just an internet connection and fiber connection was important. Um, as businesses grow, um, having that redundant or in essence insurance uh, on their connectivity is vital. Um, you know, for you and I, if, if our Netflix goes off at eight o'clock and we can't see a movie, you know, that kind of is what it is. Um, if a business is down for a period of time, nothing gets done. Um, and, and to have that uh, redundant um, ability. And so to provide that at a cost-effective um, rate for businesses uh, will be um, uh, will be uh, valuable. Um, I guess big picture, um, from Indiana's perspective, um, we're always focused on assessed value and looking at our community and looking at how, whether it's residential, uh, whether it's the business community, um, and how the values of, of, of those um, um, of those businesses are growing and how that um, impacts the city and um, seeing businesses choose Valparaiso that come here and to expand uh, their uh, their footprint uh, because of that benefit is something that we, that we expect to see and, and hopefully will see. Well, terrific. Thank you so much for coming on to tell us more about your approach in Valparaiso. Thank you, Chris. That was Chris and Patrick Lipp, General Counsel and Economic Development Director at Valparaiso, Indiana. Remember, contributions like yours keep the Community Broadband Bits podcast broadcasting weekly. Go to ILSR.org or MuniNetworks.org and donate. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at MuniNetworks.org. You can follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at CommunityNets. You can also follow MuniNetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at MuniNetworks.org. Thank you, Kathleen Martin, for the song Player vs. Player, License to Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 199 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Yeah.